Hi, I'm Jessie Draper. I am first and foremost a mom, a boy mom to be exact, a boy mom who invests in female-founded companies. Yep, the joke's on me. I'm the founder of Halogen Ventures, a former entrepreneur and creator of an Emmy-nominated television series on technology. My mission is to support women and help raise awareness about the biggest issues facing society, women, and families today, starting with solving childcare. From celebrity guests to founders and politicians, everyone came from a family somewhere. And I want to hear from you, the families of America, on how we can make change because I can't do this alone. Let's get started. We have monumental work to do. Mommy, mommy, mommy. First of all, thank you so much for coming. I am so excited to have you on here. You're our first guest who can tell us all about foster care, which is a huge passion of mine that I've been on this like journey just trying to learn more and more. Um, before we dig in, uh, I, I would love to know kind of what is your mom win of the week? And an example for me would be um, I threw my oldest a birthday party and he's uh, he just turned seven and I you know, you kind of struggle with like, do I invite the whole class or do I invite like six kids over? Mm -hmm. And I had six kids over, uh, six little boys and it felt like 100. I mean, I was exhausted after this and we got a drum teacher um, for the birthday party and I thought that was a really fun thing. None of them had ever seen or played or experienced the drums. And so she like was this amazing magical woman named Dragonfly who let them just go to town on her drum set and it was such a fun thing and for me that was a win because it was like a new experience I just felt like I liked the idea that I wanted to have a birthday party where um, they were all kind of like learning something I feel like we always just sort of stuff them with cake and it, it's it's total chaos and it was definitely still chaos but they also learned something so that was my mom win of the week um, so tell me about yours Ashley uh, mine would be, you know, I have a nine-year-old son and he plays um, competitive soccer and he's the goalie. And um, so many parents come up, come up to me and are like, how do you, how do you handle it? It's so nerve wracking. And um, he's pretty confident in, in, in his position. And I, I was actually couldn't attend his, his, his soccer game this past weekend. And um, I heard stories from my mother-in-law and my husband, and they were like, it was the toughest game ever. He was like the shining star. And the one thing that I was so proud of, and it was just like, yes, it's working, is they said, you know, he came off the field, like super humble, super modest, and, you know, everyone's congratulating him. And he just was like super composed and didn't, you know, let himself get, you know, out of his head. And and I was like, that is a win. Like it's been taking, you know, it's been nine years and I've been trying to instill that in him of like, be confident, but don't be overly confident, you know, like you can do this and to just see that, you know, it's a really big position and it's a big deal for him. And so I was like, that was awesome. And, and it was kind of bummed. I wasn't there, but I was like, that's great. Like it, it's working. <laughs> oh, I love that. And that's, you've given me a little flash forward of my seven year olds, like things to think about because I, I hadn't even been thinking about like they're super confident at this age and I do see some things like getting to him on occasion now um but yeah to be confident but not like too overly confident I think is a good um yeah. uh, a good quality to instill I love that well I'm glad he's doing so well as goalie so that's super fun um you know okay so just to cover some parent news of the day so this is um so I was reading in um on NBC News site uh, about President Biden, and um, there was this article written by Summer Conception and Shannon Pettypiece, and they said 
President Joe Biden said his administration will commit more than $8 billion in private and public sector funding as part of its plans to end hunger and reduce diet-related disease by 2030. The White House also aims to expand access to healthy, free school meals for 9 million more children by 2032 and expand SNAP eligibility and extend summer benefits to more children. They're going to throw a big conference around this. And so the conference... Uh, and I found this kind of interesting. The conference comes more than 50 years after the first such event during the Nixon administration, which led to the creation and expansion of programs such as SNAP, the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants and Children, and the National School Breakfast and Lunch Program. So like, you know, we all know childcare is just a broken system right now. Um, and also, part of uh, you know the public school system and feeding these children and making sure no one's going hungry is a very important piece of the public school system. Um, and we hadn't even been thinking about it for 50 years, which I found really interesting. So obviously one of like the basic needs for children is we need to feed them. <laughs> so what do you think about this? Um, do you have any ideas around how we can solve this hunger for kids and how do we better assess who gets fed? For example, um, you know, my son goes to a public school and so they do provide snacks um, and take home snacks and things. Um, and so we've had some experience with that. I think it's really important. Um, and I think it's also important, like these public schools uh, are, are, you know, being funded for this also. Um, so what are your thoughts around that, around feeding our children, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, you know, you you said it before, but I mean, healthy healthy food is key in my mind. You know, we work with a lot a lot of my kiddos who have come through foster care have come from, you know, low income or poverty level homes and watching what they can afford is is sad at times, right? And and we should be able to do better and we can do better and we have the resources, right? We have the resources in the United States to be able to solve this problem and it's just about um, figuring out how to go about doing it. And so I think the more we can focus on the school aspect, you know, is key. A lot of our students that are going to public schools are are eating breakfast and lunch and then taking a snack home. And sometimes that's the only meals that they're getting are quality meals. And so we have to make them quality. And sometimes when I walk by this, the cafeteria at my son's public school, I'm like, we have to do better, you know? And um, and I think the kids are realizing that too, right? Or they can pick and choose what they want and not eat the healthy food. Where in, in my house, you know, it's you have to eat the healthy food before you can have anything else, right? And so some way to structure that in a better way, but just the accessibility for these families to get the healthy food that they need, um, I think is, is really critical. It definitely is. It is super critical. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so you know, um, let's let's dig in. You have a really uh, interesting childcare at your home right now. You do so much around foster care, and you're always caring for these children. Um, what does your personal childcare look like right now? So, um, so I have one nine-year-old biological son, and um, we've been foster. My husband and I have been foster parents for the last six years, and we've had seven different children come into our home, and they've all left our home, whether they've reunited with a biological family member or have been adopted. And so our last baby, she just left us about four weeks ago. She was with us from four days old in the NICU. We picked her up and she stayed with us for about seven months. 
and she just moved on to an adoptive home. And so right now we're kind of in that break of a couple months before we jump back in um, to taking another child. But so right now we just have our one, one biological son, but um, eventually we will take in another one. And so how on average, you know, um, how long do they stay with you? So she stayed with you for seven months on average, usually like, what does that look like right now? Or what's it been for you? I'm sure it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So typically it's different. I would say county by county. Our county is rather small. And so our kids tend, our young ones under three tend to go, um, leave our home between four months. That's been as quick as one has, has left four months to 11 months. 11 months was my longest. So we take little ones under three years old, um, older ones. Sometimes the cases go on to like 12 to 18 months. Um, but for us, it's been, it's been under right under a year. That's great. That's so amazing that you're doing that. Um, you know, uh, how does this differ from your, uh, your childhood? Yeah. Uh, so I grew up with family. I have um, family, four kids, and um, and then I have a younger half sister as well. So there's five of us. And, um, you know, I grew up with my mom and dad until I was about eight. And then my, my mom and dad split. And so I stayed with my mom and she was at home with us for the most part. And so I had a pretty, you know, typical typical upbringing until I was eight. And then it was, um, a little bit different, not having my dad around as much, but, um, I didn't actually grow up with a lot of foster care and adoption in my life until I became an adult. And that's when I started exploring it more. And my sisters have both adopted. So it was always kind of in our family since I was about, you know, 20 or so. And, um, so yeah, kind of grew up really different than how I'm building our family or how my husband and I are building our family. So it's, it's, definitely a different, different road, I'd say. So I told you a little about this before. Um, but you know, um, I didn't know anything about the foster care system. Um, and I was, uh, I'm an investor and I invest in all sorts of companies. We're doing a lot in future family and really trying to solve child care by funding these private businesses. And I invested in a company called hop, skip drive. And it was, um, it's like an Uber type service for families in childcare. And they started working with the foster care systems. They're now in 22 States providing safe transportation for, um, children in the foster care system. Um, and what I learned was, uh, kids in the foster care system are literally property of the government. And they, in order to go to any opportunity they're given, they have to have safe provided transport government provided transportation to go to and from school or anything um and i just i don't know how i feel about children being property of the government but i haven't quite figured out what the better solution is and i bring this up because it started me on this trajectory to launching this podcast and we did a big research study on future of family and what families need and i really feel that foster care is the heart of solving the entire child care industry as a whole. We need to take care of these children and we need to solve that like zero to six year old. But I did this kind of sociology experiment um, where I was fundraising for my second fund and I pitched maybe 500 high net worths. Now these are like high net worth investors. So these are like large institutional investors, billionaires, um, everyone who is definitely in that like 1%. Um, and 
I pitched them and I would say, hey, I'm fundraising for this. And then I, I'd tell them about this sort of family thesis I had. And I would say, are you familiar with the foster care system? And then I would just go silent just because mm -hmm. I was curious if I was the only one who didn't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. And not one of them knew a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me has been a huge problem. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here today um, mm -hmm. to tell us, you know, tell us about the foster care system. I'm sure many of our listeners don't know anything about it. How does it work? Um, and um, why are these children in this situation? And, um, you know, how did you get involved overall? Yeah, well, everything you said is exactly what I preach. It's like, I think what, come, what it comes down to is these kids, instead of like, I know you're changing it from the government, these kids are our kids right? This, these kids belong to our community. They're not mine. They're not yours. They're our community. And it is our responsibility to help take care of these kids when they're in foster care, right? They come into foster care at no fault to themselves, right? They've done nothing. And I can tell you story after story about kiddos and what has brought them into foster care. A lot of it's a, um, either neglect or addiction, um, sometimes domestic abuse, but they've done nothing. Right. And so I think it's so critical that we as a community gain knowledge around what brings kids into foster care and what can we do. One of our taglines is foster care looks a lot like you. And it's something we created because it was like everyone can do something. Everyone can do something, whether you can't foster yourself, you can volunteer, you can donate items, you can donate cash, you can spread awareness, which which is what you're doing now, which is amazing, because this is something that we have to continue to do to break down these walls of what foster care looks like, right? When people find out when I carry a baby around, which I carry them around a lot, it, it always sparks this conversation of like, oh, they're not yours. Oh, and it's it's, you know, because people start asking a lot of questions and I share, you know, um, what we're doing. And they always ask me, where do they, where did they come from? And I'm like, they came from your city, like right here. We have kids right here. And it's always something that people have no idea that is even around. But I will say the majority of people, once they find out and get the details, they're like, how can I help? What can I do? People are doing diaper drives for us. They are sending money from their own foundation. They're putting on their own fundraisers. They're donating stuff for us. So I will say it's had a good response once people actually are educated. It's just about educating people. And I think also what people thought foster care looks like kind of back in the day, I think when we, when I was growing up, it was like, ooh, foster care, like foster homes are like not so great. I will tell you like all of us who do it, I mean, for the majority, for all of my friends who are in the foster care world, we all look just like you and I, like we're just normal people trying to help these kids, right? Um, the other thing I will say that, you know, is was definitely a surprise to me was how much I was going to get involved with the bio families or the adoptive families. So I have people texting me every day from all my different kids that I've had, right? One's a grandma, one's an adopted home, one's an uncle that now has a baby. Um, and you know, we keep in touch. It's like a way to grow our family and it's a unique way. And it's not scary. I think some people have this like really like they don't know what, what it's going to be like and they're nervous. And and I think really just kind of sharing 
and educating folks on this is actually what it looks like. Look, let me show you, right? Um, I think it has really helped break down that wall and help people get more involved. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. That's so helpful. Um, I, I mean, I certainly, I, I'm really thinking a lot, like what's really sticking with me is how you just said also in the beginning, you said they're not the government's children, they're our children. And like, you know, I do think that in the United States right now, we're really lacking that like community mentality. And that's such a beautiful way to look at the world. And I hope we can all come together more and think about the children. I think that's like what we really, really want to do. Certainly here at Monumental, we really want to um, shine a light on, you know, just our broken childcare system. It's not like broken. It's just like there isn't one. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we'd like to create one. Um, You know, so I started doing this like deep dive uh, after this hop, skip, drive experience. And we've now invested in a couple of companies that actually work with the foster care system as like one of their um, revenue streams or partnerships. Uh, and it's been interesting. I started reading all these books. I just was trying to educate myself about something that seemed so incredibly important and like I really knew nothing about. And so I would recommend to everyone out there, there's this great book called Invisible Child um, that was a Pulitzer prize winner um, that was written by a journalist where it follows a family in and out of foster care in New York City. Um, There's one called Till the End of June um, that uh, she interviewed a hundred foster families uh, and you just get a nice landscape. Um, What else I learned was if 70 to 80 percent, the data has sort of ranged from 70 to 80 percent of the current incarcerated today went through our foster care system. So like it is broken somewhere, but then something that was really, um, seemed like a great opportunity to me too, is if we solve the foster care system, which is like 600,000 kids, it ranges from four to, they don't even know how many kids are in the foster care system, which kills me, Uh, but it's like 400 to 600,000 kids in the United States. It's totally a solvable problem. 50% of the homeless will be off of the street. Mm -hmm. So like if, if we just think about that and like focus on the children and childcare is a much greater, it's a much larger industry, but I really feel like foster care is like where we need to begin. Cause -hmm. you're saying these are our children. If we're not Mm -hmm. taking care of them, I mean, what are we doing? Totally. And I think, you know, to solve the problem though, we do need people to step up, right? Like I always say, you know, if you can't foster, here's the other things, but we also need foster parents. Like, but why do people do it once and not do it again? They don't have enough support Mm -hmm. or it's really, really hard. I mean, I will tell you, it's the hardest job I've ever done. Kids come in with a lot of trauma, even one and three-year-olds. People think, oh, they're just young. A lot happens in that zero to three age. Um, And so that is also really important. We need people to step up and say, you know what? It's going to be hard. It's going to be inconvenient and it's going to change my life, but I'm going to do it. Right. People ask me all the time, how do you say goodbye? I could never say goodbye. And I'm like, you could do it. Right. If you did it right. It's hard. I cry for three weeks when I say goodbye to my babies, because if you think about it, I mean, these kids come into my life. I'm the primary caregiver for them. And so when they come as a four day old, they are on me, they're worn. A lot of them come drug exposed. So they have certain things that, you know, we have to do differently. And I, they don't leave my side, right. For seven months and people go, Oh, that's not that long. 
day in and day out, waking up every two hours with them, like we form a bond. So having to say goodbye, I'm going to be emotional. Having to say goodbye is the hardest thing, but we can get through it. Our heart will heal and it does. And I know that, and I've done it seven times now, and I know it will. It's still hard, but we can do that as adults. It's just taking folks to say, yes, I'm going to take that leap of faith. And anytime someone says, oh, I'm, I've always thought about it. I'm not sure. I always just encourage them. Just try it. Right. Try it once. What's what, what do you have to lose? Try it once. You know, the, the kids that we hear about, oh, the, the teenagers and blah, blah, blah. It's so hard to place them and they move around. Well, guess what? They've gone through so much trauma. You can't even imagine. Is it their fault? No. Right. But now we're having to help figure out how to support them because it's happened to them. So that's that's the other key component here is not just homes, but people who are willing to work with that trauma. So we started a therapy program with Marin Foster Care. We were like, we need to surround these foster parent, biological kids, we need to surround people to help support them through that this process. And what does this look like? Because we know if they don't feel supported, they're not going to do it again. Wow. Right. So that's something that we really play a big role in. But it's it, it, it is bigger. It is it is achievable, though. Right? right. To your point, it's achievable. We we just have to get out there and do it. Yes, it, it definitely is achievable. And, you know, I want to understand better. How do you do it? Um, who do they call? Uh, who? How do you get put in um, connected with a child who's in need? Um, is it through an agency? What does that look like? Yeah. So for our county, because my county is on the smaller side, we work with our um, our children and family services directly. So we get licensed through them, and then they we get on a list, and then when they have a child come into care, they will reach out to us. So that's through through our our county. For bigger counties like LA and San Diego and places like that, even San Francisco, they work with foster family agencies. So that contract with the county. So you get licensed, go through that process. It takes about, for us, it took about six months to get licensed, training, background checks, home visits. And then you get on the list and then they call you and it's up to you. If you're like, oh, this this timing isn't working because whatever, you have something going on, or you're going to be gone for a long time. You can say, you know what? I can't do it right now, but keep me on the list. They'll call you again. Um, bigger counties, when the minute you get licensed, they'll they'll call you. Um, for, for our county, for Marin County, it's a little bit smaller. So we have natural breaks in between our kiddos usually. There's a real, there's obviously no reason or no, no, there's an ebbs and flows. Um, for whatever reason that is. And so that's kind of the process. And then you'll be on that list and you, you'll, you're kind of in the driver's seat um, in order if you say yes or no to a child. And then that child comes into your home. Sometimes we've had three hours notice. Sometimes we've had three days or a couple of weeks because the babies have been in the NICU detoxing. So they need some time to do that. Um, but my first our first baby ever, who we still see on a weekly basis, who's now six and a half, and she came to us when she was six months old, we had three hours. And she came with nothing. She came with a onesie on, and that was it. And the social worker, I'll never forget, pulled up. Our son was two and a half. And the social worker pulled up. There was a man and a woman. They got out. They brought her to us. And we were like looking at my husband and her, looking at each other like, uh, they're just going to leave her, you know? And my little boy is like, oh, you know, is that her mom and dad? And I like almost start crying right then and there. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long journey. <laughs> and um, so then they came in. They We signed some paperwork and they left. And we were like, we held her. We were like, 
okay, let's figure this out. Like, we don't know her routine. We don't know what she likes, what she doesn't like, you know, she had her ears pierced and my little boy just like loved that. Thought that was like amazing because she was so little. And, and then we figured it out, you know, and then we got really involved with Marin Foster Care and we have a, a ton of programs that again, surround our families, surround foster kids that support. We have a resource center that's open five days a week that um, has everything you need to raise a kid from diapers, toys, um, strollers, anything, and it's all free. It's all donated by our community. And so that's where I go every time I get a placement because most likely all of our kids are different ages. And then when our kiddos leave us, I give them everything we have for them. So they leave with a wardrobe, they leave with toys, they leave with strollers and that type of thing. So that's been so critical for our community to have that support and have a place to come because you can go to Target, but you can imagine like the overwhelmingness of getting a child and going and trying to figure out what you need when we're there at the resource center to say, okay, what age did you get? Let's pull all this for you. And we pull everything for them. Oh my gosh, Ashley, you just made me cry. I'm like, you're doing <laughs> such incredible work, like such important work. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this work. Um, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about um, the foster care system, and I think one of the, recent, the reasons also so many families hear these bad stories is you, like, hear about the, like, I don't know, like the family on People Magazine who have like 50 foster kids and then it turns out they're criminals and they're just trying to collect the check. And like, how do you think we can better avoid those situations? Yeah, you know, is sharing what we're sharing today, to yeah. be honest, is like keep spreading that awareness and keep talking about it and keep talking about the good. Like there's so much good that has happened in foster care. I mean, three of our babies have made have made people a family, right? right? They've been adopted and now they're a family. That's amazing. Yeah. We've stayed in touch with all of ours, which is also amazing, right? People think, oh, they just disappear and you never see them again. That's not true. Yeah. We've created these great relationships. It's been an amazing way to grow our family, right? We could have had another biological child probably, but we were like, why not help multiple kids? And why not go through this journey together and, and help our community in a, in a unique way? Right. So th there are ways to, to to definitely continue this work and, and awareness is, is just a huge one. It's um, so how do we I mean, it is such a huge one. And just thank you for educating all of us today. Um, and how do we get involved with what you're doing? Because clearly you're doing such great work. Um, what where do we go? Yeah. So we, um, so Marin Foster Care, our website's marinfostercare.org, and you can see all of our programs there. Um, we are also helping other, we, I, I call it as my startup. Um, we're helping, <laughs> we're investing in other groups. So we launched a resource center in Sonoma County last year. So we, there was an organization who was um, just trying to get off the ground and we invested some money and our time and got them launched. And now they're running on their own, which is amazing. And then as of like yesterday, we signed lease papers for another group in the East Bay that we're investing, it's kind of seed money into them to support them for six months, get them off the ground so that they have a resource center in the East Bay, and then that will go on its own. And so the idea is our strategic plan is every, for the next three years is to continue to grow into other counties. So 
we'll continue to do that. But the idea is we have a model, it works. We know what to do, what not to do, because we've been doing it for a, a little, I would say, you know, a decent amount of time. Yeah. And so I've talked to even other people in LA who have been like, I want to do something. I'm like, create a resource center. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's an easy way because people will come for the stuff because that's needed right then and there. And they stay for the connection. And we've seen time and time again, people have cried on our couches of like, whether they're transitioning kids or they need help or, or joyous tears, right? Like, this is amazing. And so the resource center is really kind of the the gateway into all of the other programs is is what I've been seeing. And so it's great. So marinefostercare.org. Go donate, go donate there. I mean, clearly she's doing great work or start a resource center. I mean, that does sound like such a great idea as a hub. Like exactly. That, that's fantastic. What a great idea. I'm like, how can I start a res- like yeah. resource center? Yeah. This is, I'm like, we got to do this in Los Angeles. Come yeah. visit me and help. Um, yeah. I am, everyone needs to donate. Everyone should, you know, give to all this incredible work that she's doing. Um, we really need to find homes for all of these children and good homes and thoughtful homes who are supportive and consistent. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I can't tell you, I have like a mil- million more questions for you, but we have to go sadly. And um, so we're going to end on our goodbye story. Um, and you sent in such a cute book. This is like one of our favorite books at home because I have three boys, but you said good night, good night construction site, which is by Sherry Dusky Rinker. Um, and if you, if, if everyone listening hasn't read this book, you have to, um, it is so fun and something fun fact, uh, they, she's actually written six books and they were all and New York times bestsellers, uh, in this series. So as the sun sets behind the big construction site, all the hardworking trucks get ready to say good night one by one crane truck, cement mixer, dump truck, bulldozer, and excavator finish their work and lie down to rest so they'll be ready for another day of rough and tough construction play. I mean, and when you're a boy mom too, you like really know how important the differentiation between the trucks Mm -hmm. is. Um, So why is this your favorite book? Oh, well, when I... When I was told I was having a boy, I was like, whew, I'm in for it. Like I knew I know boys. Like I had a brother. My husband's super active. I was like, and he was super active in my stomach. And I was like, okay, I'm in it. Right. And we would read that book literally every night. And it's just such a boy book. You know, it's like you said, it's just it's a boy mom book. And I just I when you when you asked me that question, I was like, oh my gosh, that was my ultimate favorite book to read to him. And he loved it. You know, he just absolutely loved it. So it was just a cute cute memories from when he was really little. It is. It is such a great book. Um, we definitely can relate on that. I love that book. I, and it's also like I was talking with one of our other guests about just the length. It's kind of that perfect length of a story <laughs> of a book where you like don't want the giant book. My kids always go and are like, this is the biggest book I have. Let's read this <laughs> one. And I'm like, that's going to take 10 hours. No. Um, but I am going to read you a five minute book. Uh, it's perfect. It's so cute. It's rhymes. It's super fun. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, Ashley, I don't want to say goodbye because I, you're doing such incredible work. This has been a lot of firsts today. We talked about foster care, which is something I really wanted to dive into on this podcast. And so you were our first, uh, foster care related guest. So thank you for, um, 
diving in so deep and being so candid around that. And then also, this is the first time I've cried on a podcast. So you literally, you made me cry um, because you're just like, what you're doing is so important and so beautiful. And like, just your perspective on this is so amazing. So everyone go check, check out um, Marin Foster Care Association. Um, and uh, we'll post more information about that uh, on our uh, Instagram and everything. And thank you so much for coming on our podcast. But we have to go because we have monumental work to do. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for, you know, touching on this such important topic and spreading awareness. It's great. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you so much for listening. Please write us a review if you liked us. Tell us what you think. Follow us on Instagram at monumental.podcast or at Jesse C. Draper and tell us who you want to hear from and how you think we can solve childcare. Also, please give us five stars.